Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket costs. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 888-303-9136-888-303-9136-888-303-9136-888-303-9136. Nobody really needs or wants home security until it's too late. You've heard the statistics about how many burglaries there are per day. You see the news. You know there are people out there that do bad things. The best way to help protect your home and your property is with an ADT-monitored system from Protect Your Home, an ADT-authorized premier provider. Call right now to get a free wireless home security system valued at $850. An ADT-monitored system can help protect your home from fires, theft, floods, and call for emergency help. Call now to find out more about our $850. $50 free wireless home security system and start enjoying the peace of mind of security today. Call 800-561-2351. 800-561-2351. This offers for new customers only. Termination fees apply. $99 customer installation charge and 36-month monitoring agreement required. All for details. License terms and conditions available at secureathome.com. Welcome, welcome everyone to Blog Talk USA. We are so happy to be here with you on this Monday night. Before we get started, let me tell you how you can always find us, listen to our archived episodes, our podcasts, and our live programs as well. You can always dial 515-605-9375 to listen live by phone. You can also find us on blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. You can find us at blogtalkusa.com, and you can also download our podcast on Apple Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and pretty much any other place that you can find podcasts, you can find ours. So thank you for uh, always following us on Facebook at blogtalkusa, as well as Twitter same handle and we appreciate you however you're finding us we just appreciate that you are okay now let me give you over to your host for marvelous monday my other mother councilwoman dr shirley mckeller 
<laughs> oh, I like all those titles. Good evening. Yes, ma'am. How are you doing? Great. Welcome, Thank welcome, you. welcome. Let's see now. Is this our first show for the new decade, for the new year on Marvelous Monday, 2020? That's right. Wow. That's right. How exciting that is. Everybody, everywhere, Ms. Rihanna is talking about the new decade, 2020. And boy, were they talking about. Um, John Bolton today. So we got a lot to talk about. And so, but we're going to have some amazing guests to come in on tonight. And I don't know where to start. So um, let me, let me know what numbers that you have out there, or you can just start bringing them in. But uh, one of the things that we know we're going to talk about today, tonight rather, is uh, Medicaid. But before we get going, I just want to mention uh, for those that are here in the East Texas area that listens up, especially in uh, Tyler, Texas, this Saturday is our 112th year Founders Day for Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. As you know, uh, that's my sorority. And as you also know, that I am the new president uh, for the local chapter, Gamma Omicron Omega chapter. And so uh, I had my opportunity to have my first meeting on this past Saturday, and it was an amazing meeting, I must say. And so we're ready to uh, to bring some exciting things in for the for the new year and the new decade uh, and all that. So uh, let's just make sure that those who are close by that can come and join us. We will be at uh, the Willowbrook Country Club from 11 until one o'clock and our keynote speaker is none other than our international uh, vice president uh, Miss Danette Reed and so we're excited that she's going to be coming in on Friday and we'll have a complete weekend with her uh, so all of those who are interested we'd love to have you come the tickets we have a few more tickets left uh, they're $45 each and as everybody knows that Money goes toward helping us to put on the event as well as giving scholarships back to uh, young girls uh, in our community. That's our focus is working with, with young girls and helping to, to get them educated. So uh, so we just want to extend that invitation. We're going to have a lot of uh, really uh, wonderful dignitaries that's going to be out there with us today. So is Minister Major in with us tonight? Uh, I'm in. Uh, yes. How y'all doing Wonderful. this evening? Miss Rihanna gave you a marvelous introduction for Marvelous Monday. <laughs> <laughs> How everyone doing? Happy New Year to you. Thank Happy you. New Happy New Year to you, uh, Minister Major. As we know, Minister Major is doing some amazing work out here in our community. We're working with the young girls, and he's working with the young guys. And so uh, we all come together, and we can make certain that uh, that our young folk are getting just exactly what they need. Uh, we mentor them all the way into adulthood uh, through their college years and so forth. So thank you, Minister Major, for always being right there and taking care of the guys while we work uh, toward the girls. So well, you just to welcome uh, Dr. McKellar. But I'd like to ask Ms. Rihanna a question. Because I encountered a young man that has autism, and I need to know uh, more about that uh, so that I could be able to function well with them. Uh, Absolutely. Because, uh, and I know that you're very knowledgeable on a lot of stuff, a lot of things, rather. 
And I'd like for you to uh, kind of coach me along. It don't have to be on the air. It can be off the air. But I'd like to ask Absolutely. Yes, yes, I'll ma'am. be happy to do that. I'll thank give you, you a call, and, and we'll talk about it. You're welcome. Okay. Right. And thank, thank you for your willingness to work with, with him and want to know more about that. We have a lot of, uh, yes, a lot yes, of people ma'am. on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. See what team teamwork makes the what? Makes the dream it work. Makes the dream work. Makes the dream work. That's it exactly. So yes, that's ma'am. beautiful. We we help each other, right? And as a matter of fact, that's one of the slogans of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated is that we help each other. And so the other person that we're going to have on tonight uh, is Andre Wagner. Andre uh, represents Texas for the Elizabeth Warren. Uh, campaign. So uh, we, we sent him the, the correct number, and he's going to be calling in shortly and talk about that campaign, as well as we're going to have Miss Claretta Allen, who is the president of CLUE, and that's the Coalition of Labor Union Women. And uh, so she's the president of our, cha- our local chapter. She's also served uh, on the national level. So we want her to come in and talk about uh, the labor uh, uh, the Labor uh, Committee and the uh, organization here in Smith County. So there's so much going on, and with us coming all together and working together, we can make things happen uh, in our community. So while we're waiting for um, Andre, uh, and, and Dr. Nichols is uh, in a meeting right now, so she won't be able to come in. It's the uh, Democratic officers meeting tonight, and so she sends her regards, but she made sure that uh, Mr. Andre is uh, is coming in. So, uh, okay, so we have the 713 actually is none other than Mr. Andre. So, Mr. Andre Wagner, are you there? I am, I am. Thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, thank you for allowing me to, uh, to join you on this conversation. Yes. Please, by all means. We're we're just excited about uh, 2020 and what's coming up. We have some amazing candidates uh, that's on the top of the ticket uh, here in America, on the Democratic ticket. So we're excited that you're able to come in and share with us what uh, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren would like to do for, for our country. And we've been tracking her and watching her and so we are happy to know that you want to bring something into East Texas because one of my main uh, things that I preach when I get out there, and you already know this, Mr. Under, is that don't overlook us in East Texas because our votes are important. So go ahead and share with us uh, today. You can tell us a little bit tonight, a little bit about yourself and then what your position is and then anything that you want us to know in regards to uh, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren's uh, campaign. Uh, right now we have Almost our Most definitely. Our Yes, we have two of our team members on, uh, uh, Minister Major and Ms. Rihanna. Ms. Rihanna and Mr. Minister Major, meet Mr. Andre Wagner. Go ahead, Andre. Nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you all. And thank you again for allowing, allowing me to, to, to join well. you all today. Yes, sir. Thank you, Minister, and thank you, thank you all for what you all do. Uh, I have had the opportunity of uh, – Again, honestly, just to reiterate what you all already know, yes, East Texas is important and valuable, and every uh, all, every single one of the Texans' vote uh, matters, and we want to make sure that we uh, have as many conversations as possible, to, uh, to whether it's from in Houston, where I am, or 
whether it's in Dallas, Tyler, Nacogdoches, whatever the case may be, and even as so far off um, as Zapata, Texas. And I honestly got the opportunity of learning a lot about that while I worked for the uh, Beto for Senate campaign. I got to come out there and, and visit with Tyler and visit in Nacogdoches and go and work in uh, Longview where I have family. Uh, and so really getting to organize in East Texas and learning from the lessons of Beto when he ran for Senate, uh, I would like to apply those same strategies where now in this campaign um, – it is really instrumental, and Senator Warren wants to make sure we have conversations with as many people as possible because when we talk about her story, uh, it is what really connects the most, in my opinion. Uh, Senator Warren, quite like my mother, was divorced from her husband uh, when her children were young, and I was eight years old when my parents got divorced. Uh, but my mom, being a single black woman, uh, have, have you, Senator Warren, uh, was not a black woman but a woman raising her two children – she went to college. Uh, she worked a job and went to college so she can become a teacher. And she had the opportunities of going to college, working a minimum wage job, and then being able to become a teacher, and from being able to become a teacher to being able to become a lawyer, and then from becoming a lawyer to being a United States senator, uh, all in one lifetime from the fact that we had the American society had it so that way the minimum wage actually affected and was a living wage that people could sustain off of. Uh, and also um, Senator Warren had a great support system where she had a wonderful woman named Aunt B who took off from her job, her life, to come help raise the senator's children while the senator was working on her, her, her undergraduate degree. And I completely understand that because my mother was a secretary taking care of me and my sister. And if it wasn't for her church and her community group that took care of us, my mom wouldn't have been able to go to college and then become a teacher and is now working as well and moving on and has got her master's degree. I understand that it's a struggle, and that's honestly the reason why I like what Senator Warren's plans are. Um, I'm sure throughout the, this time here we're going to have a lot of opportunities to talk about the different plans that Senator Warren has, but she has plans to really affect mothers and women who need uh, low-income mothers, but just mothers in general, and also families to support the family, where she has plans to have it so that way we can have free child care, uh, free pre-K education, and then also free, uh, free kindergarten education as well, and really different programs to support our education system and making sure that we have it so that way everyone pays their fair share. Um, and so really I look forward to the conversation. Honestly, I'm passionate about Senator Warren, but I would love to have a conversation with you and hear more about you. Also, we have a great uh, young lady named Gabrielle Harris who uh, lives in Nacogdoches, who is the East Texas organizer. And so she'll be visiting with you all uh, more as well to make sure that we can get out to Tyler and Nacogdoches and Longview and we can organize throughout the East Texas area. And we just appreciate your time, and I'm glad I could be on this program. And I'd love to, take, uh, to talk to you to a little bit more. Very good. I, I, I love it, Andre. I, I've always admired you and the work that you are doing and have done uh, in this uh, great state of Texas. Uh, remember closely when you did assist in running uh, with uh, Beto O'Rourke. And to, so, so I can see now why uh, why you have so much passion about Senator Warren because uh, her she and your mom mirror each other as far as uh, being able to say take those bootstraps and just take them and place them wherever 
uh, they wanted them to be. So that that was an amazing story. And see, a lot of times people don't really know the backstory uh, of people mm-hmm. and why they decide uh, to run. And so, uh, so I, I like it when I hear these uh, courageous stories about women, because the one thing that I can tell you is that you're probably not going to be able to keep a strong woman down. She's going to no, figure you out. Can't. Yes, how how to do. So share with us some of the things that you see uh, that Senator Warren uh, wants to do as far as uh, uh, sitting in that position as presidency. But but before you say that to us, I want to ask you just one specific question. Do you think that Mm -hmm. America uh, is ready and will uh, elect a woman? Uh, in 2020? Uh, that's an old question. You know it is. And it's been asked yes, a lot. But I, <laughs> and, but I want to hear from you what, what your feelings Most are. Definitely. From the male, and, and, then, and then we're going to even hear from Minister Major what, what his feelings are. But I want to hear from you. Um, what, what do you think as far as America is concerned? Yes, Dr. McKellar, and honestly, uh, the reason I really do feel that America is ready for a woman, not only do I feel America is ready, I know America is ready for a woman president, and honestly, I am so glad to be able to work on this campaign uh, to elect Elizabeth Warren as our next president, and specifically because I know we need it. I know we need compassion and someone who has a plan to work on it. The great thing about uh, that – what I know about my mother, and I know about my mother, a woman like my mother, and I honestly I compare Elizabeth Warren quite often to my mother is because my mother has a plan. And the reason why I like Elizabeth Warren is because she has plans, in-depth plans on how to, to improve our community, how to, and not just about how it helps her or helps one community versus another, but like a mother, she cares about all of, her, of the people in her community. Um, specifically, I attended Texas Southern University, a historically black institution, and the one thing I love about Elizabeth Warren's plans is that they're in-depth, and they deal with the real issues. Senator Warren wants to invest $50 billion in HBCUs, the most of any other presidential candidate, to absolutely develop up. And it's not just about free education, because often we hear about free education, but also it's about investing back in institutions that are already providing in communities. And I know that my HBCU is one of the bedrocks of the third world community. And that she wants yes. to invest back in the HBCUs, not just that. And so that's one of the reasons why I know that America is ready. And not only do I know that America is ready for a woman, but I know that America needs a woman to be the next president of the United States. And I'm ready to elect Elizabeth Warren to do that because she has plans and she has real issues that are ready to help everyone, not just individuals that are just in one specific group. Wow. That's, that, that's beautiful. Um, she, she is so smart. And um, – let me ask you this next question, and then I'm I'm going to double back, and I'm I want because I want Minister Major. I love hearing from from the men uh, when it when it comes to uh, talking about women uh, in politics, and I think that that uh, that we need more women uh, to balance things out, and uh, women yeah, bring yeah. something, and it's not not I'm not saying this because I'm a woman, but but because I do know this as a woman, that women bring more balance or they bring balance uh, 
to uh, to an organization, to to offices, elected offices, and so and and I I can see that I've seen that along the way. My running for United States Congress and and being out there among other women who are running and have run, I can see that happening. So I'm going to ask this same question to Minister Major, and I'm going to come right back to you because you you mentioned about the uh, amounts of money that the senator wants to put into HBCUs, and I'm a, a proponent, strong proponent. Minister Major is a student at one of the HBCUs, and he, he may want to share that with you shortly. But Minister Major, just tell us briefly, and then we're going to go back to Andre. Do you think that that America is ready for a woman, a president who happens to be a female? Go ahead. Uh, I, I think America is ready for a female president. You know, women have great leadership. However, I, I don't think that the timing might not be right because of the way America is structured. From what I have witnessed in America over my years of living is that the white man wants total control of everything, and he would choose to put the woman to side, and he don't want her to leave him. However, I don't have a problem with it, and most of America don't have a problem with it. And I think that was the case when Hillary ran against Barack Obama in the primaries, that mm-hmm. that came out then and pushed him forward. However, if it would have been a white male with Barack Obama, I feel that Barack Obama probably wouldn't have never made the presidency. And uh, surely we need balance like that in America today. And women can lead. They have great leadership skills. They have raised the men to become what they are, so we know that they mm-hmm. can lead. So, and, and 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 I'm just grateful to one day witness this, just like when we had a black American president. I, I'm willing to see a a woman president lead this country. However, it's not far out of the equation with what we have up there now. They will put anyone up there now to get him off from up there because he's a total disaster. So my thing okay. is that, yeah, we are ready for a female president. However, I don't know if the time is now. Okay, Ms. Rihanna, let, let me let me hear from you. Okay, thanks thanks for that, Mr. Major. Then we're gonna we're gonna circle back around to Mr. Andre and let him comment on both of what you have to say. Ms. Rihanna, what are your thoughts on uh, on that subject? Well. I know exactly why you asked that question, but I also know that you <laughs> I also know that you will agree with me in wondering why in the world we asked that question. We don't hear uh is the country ready to elect an idiot uh who will <laughs> lie every day and you know what I mean? Uh yeah. is the is the country ready to elect uh this particular man? But we all know why that question is asked. We all know why it gets asked. And, um, you know, I feel like, yes, absolutely, the country is ready. Um, But I also feel like we don't uh, always see what our country is and who our country is reflected in elections. Uh, because we don't have a country that is real strong at voting. Um, such a hard-fought privilege that we have. 
and we, it, we don't exercise it in large numbers. That's why our will is not done in our Congress and our Senate uh, so often. Uh, I think that we, we all know this. If we all vote, guess who wins? We do. Yeah. Progressives. Yeah. Uh, people who believe in America and who believe in the America that, that allowed Elizabeth Warren to go to school and become a teacher and fulfill her dreams and work her way up to become a United States senator. Um, you know, those aren't handouts that Elizabeth Warren is advocating. That's the American dream that we used to believe in that she's advocating for. And, um, if we all get up and vote, if we all exercise that right, those are the kinds of policies that we'll see reflected. And women, good, qualified women getting into office are the things that will happen. Um, so, you know, I, the media always says we're a center-right country. No, we're not. Center-right people vote. We all need to vote, and we'll see that we're not at all a center-right country. We're, we're a pretty progressive gr- group of people. Very good. Okay, so Mr. Andre, I'm going to circle right back to you um, because I, I believe that that this country is ready right now uh, for mm-hmm. women. Uh, just as Ms. Rihanna said, we have to work hard to get those voters out there. Even like Minister Major says, he's ready, but he's not sure if all yeah. the rest of Everybody is ready because he recognizes uh, great leadership in women. Talk to me, Ms. Andre, and tell me what your thoughts are in regards to what you just heard. Go ahead. Uh, and honestly, I, I completely agree uh, that we have to turn out the vote. Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, I appreciate that uh, that was said in the past was is that uh, Texas isn't a red state. Texas is a non-voting state. We rank 48th yeah. out of 50 states. We're tied yeah. with uh, – I'm sorry. We were tied with Mississippi or Alabama as, as regards to our voter turnout and our voter engagement and our voter registration levels. We are abysmally low. While we do everything bigger in Texas, we do we are the worst in voter registration and voter turnout in the country. Uh, I mean – there is one state lower, but we are number 48th in, as far as, and we're tied with Alabama with a voter, a voter turnout. And so I know that we can do it. We can get out the vote. If the same rates of people voted that voted in California, we would be completely blue. But yeah. that's something we need to work on. Yeah. And one interesting thing is, is that when working on the Beto campaign, Beto lost almost by less than 100,000 votes. In 2016, right. there was over 100,000 100, people who were purged for the voting record who might have made all the difference in that election. Right. But the whole point is that we do need to make sure that we, we work hard to have many conversations. We work hard to, 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 to reach communities where they're at, to have those real conversations to get out the vote. And we have to really talk about all communities. And I, I love the fact that we talk about intersectionality and find out the concerns of my, all communities. I'm an African-American man, but I understand that my concerns are also intertwined with the concerns of my Latino brothers and sisters, and those individuals sure. that are go- the, the issues that are going on on the border, and then also the con- concerns of the GLBT community. There are many concerns that may not directly affect me, but I understand that because they are passionate issues that uh, that affect them, I need to worry about them as well. Because I know it's Martin Luther King that says that injustice anywhere 
It's a threat yeah. that is yeah. everywhere. And Every. that if we don't care about the concerns of our brothers, then they will sooner or later become our concerns as well. And mm-hmm. so that's why I'm really – I love the fact that this campaign and that Senator Warren has real in-depth plans. And if she doesn't have a plan, if she doesn't have a plan right. that we uh, – that doesn't address the issues of, of, of a community – we want to know what those concerns are. So Senator Warren comes out with more plans. We have over 160 plans, literally, on the website. You can go there right <laughs> now and look up a plan that, that if, if you have an issue, uh, so issue, an issue of concern that you want to talk about, I promise sure. you we have, an, uh, we have a plan that talks about it, whether it's farming right. or whether it's uh, education or whether it is health care. We have in-depth plans that the senator personally goes over to make sure that she approves each and every one of them. And she goes line by line through each and every plan. So is there something that just comes up from, that a staff comes up with? She personally hands her, has her hand in developing each of these plans, and they are all, along with her principles. And that's what I really appreciate about this because they're in-depth, thought-out plans. Right. So let yeah. me let me throw this in, and I'm, I'm going to bring in I'm going to bring in a woman who has been actively involved in leading uh, women. Uh, as well as men in the labor union uh, here in not only in Texas, but in our nation uh, as well. Uh, she's been elected on the national level and she's elected locally. And that's Ms. Claretta Allen. So I want Ms. Rihanna to, um, to bring her in so that she can join in on this conversation because she is a woman who's been in leadership position as well. So I want to hear what she has to say so that you guys can listen to that. But in particular, we're going to stick with what she feels about uh, women running for this office. And I believe, I, I firmly believe that this country is ready uh, for women in 2020 because women are prepared in every aspect of that. Academically, professionally, they've been there. Elizabeth Warren has been there and carried herself all the way to the top, which is the highest, really, and the people who make the biggest decisions in this country are the people who serve in the Senate. Uh, Ms. Claretta Allen, are you there? Ms. Rihanna, if you open her line and bring her in and that 903 number, Ms. Claretta Allen, come on in and join us and talk to us about a woman becoming president in 2020. Are you there? Will? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One moment. Okay, I've got the 903 open. Yes, that she just she just sent me a message and she she's hanging there uh, and she's ready. So she just sent the message in and she's the 903 Miss Rihanna. Uh, and let's see the first three, 903-530. If you bring that message, oh, bring that okay. line. Sorry, I opened the wrong line. <laughs> My apologies. Um, okay. No, no worries. Okay, you're open, Miss <laughs> Allen. Okay, Miss Coretta. Yes, ma'am, we can hear you. Thank you, and welcome to Marvelous Monday. Welcome, <laughs> and thank you so much, Dr. McKellar, for inviting me yes. to join in the conversation. Absolutely. Tell us tell us some of your positions that you've held in labor and how you've uh, upset the apple cart <laughs> with uh, holding uh, various positions. We're talking about is America ready, and I know you've been listening, if America is ready for a president in 2020. And so uh, tell us what your thoughts are and anything that you want us to know in regards to what you've done in this community. Yes, I think that uh, America is ready for a female president. The main question is, if females are ready, 
Because if you get the woman behind the woman, she's going to win. Oh, wow. But if, yes. you don't, if we don't That's have right. the majority of the women supporting of the, the woman that's running, then that's where we run into problems. In my experience, I did upset the apple cart several times. I was the first president of my local, or uh, female president of my local, the first um, female of the Smith County Central Labor Council, the first minority to ever serve on the Texas Workforce uh, Board out of my out of my labor caucus and the first minority to ever serve at the Texas AFL-CIO out of my district. And I ran against men in every aspect, but you've got to have the female backer. If you ever lose and don't get enough female backers, women are very vicious. And but if they support you, you will get the vote. And I think mm-hmm. Senator Warren is a very, very, very smart woman. If you listen to her message, yeah, she has a powerful message that she's sending out. But we have to get women aboard. Good. That's where I see it. That's where I see yes. the problem. You, that therein lies the issue. Uh, Ms. Andre, you want to address that? Because because uh, Ms. Allen is absolutely correct in regards to that. If you got that woman behind you, and, and let's just throw this in there, that African-American woman, because we know that it's been black women that led uh, the vote, and she always votes, and she always uh, encourages others to get out there to vote. But but let's let's address what what Miss Allen just said that that we have to have that woman supporting the women. And and let me also add throw this in there before you mention it. Uh, I find that that women never really ask another woman to run for public office. It's always, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure I understand this, but it's always a male who asked a woman to run. That was in my case. And as you know, I sit at the city council seat. It was men that asked me to run. Uh, You know, I ran for United States Congress. It was men that asked me. It was a man and then many after that who asked me to run. Why do you suppose that women are a little sluggish in asking other women to run for any office? Go ahead. Well, one, I think uh, that... Andre? Uh, yes, ma'am? Before you, I'm so sorry. Before you start, let me ask everyone, because I've got all the lines open. When you're not speaking, if you will mute your phone, that'll help us cut down on some background noise. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Please go ahead. Very good. Thank you. Go ahead, Andre. No, you're, you're, most definitely. Well, honestly, thank you for asking that question. I do find that, uh, that it, it is always that black women are the base of the Democratic vote, and that uh, in 2018 specifically, uh, 
over 96% of African women, African, excuse me, only 26%, oh, excuse me, over 96% of African American women, actually it was 97% to be exact, voted for the Democratic Party, voted for, for Democrats, and overwhelmingly were the, the, the base behind changing the vote in 2018. And African American men were there, but falling behind them, right there next to them. And honestly, I really do feel if you don't get the African American woman vote, if African American women don't follow, don't support you, then you are not going to win this office. Um, I'm so happy that they, that they, I was given the opportunity of being a part of this campaign to talk about our concerns and our uh, community. And honestly, the first thing I did, I wanted to make sure that we hired Black women to talk to our yeah. communities. And so with the Elizabeth Warren campaign, our regional uh, for the Dallas area is a young lady named Angie Solomon, an African American woman. Uh, in Houston, we have uh, we have uh, one of our community organizers named Sierra Fontenot. Uh, she's one of our community organizers, an African American woman. And we have more. We have so many more in the campaign throughout the campaign. Our director of African, uh, our director of Black Outreach for the, our national director for Black Outreach is Ms. Deshana. I'm sorry, I don't remember Deshana's last name, uh, but she is the national director for Black Outreach, and she's a black woman from uh, from Texas. Uh, she's from uh, she's from Houston, as to be specifically. And so, as well, we have so many individuals, uh, and also we have another individual named Chelsea Cartwright. Uh, Deshana is from San Antonio, and Chelsea Cartwright is from Houston, both black women from Texas who are leading the national black outreach for, this, for, our, for our campaign. And so we have, uh-huh. actually, we have integrated black people and black voices because we understand that black women are the strongest part of our campaign, are the strongest part of the democratic base. But not only that, it's also talking to all women because the concerns of all women, just like how intersectionality, understanding that my concerns also affect the concerns of, uh, and the concerns of the Latino community affect me. It's also understanding that women in general, we want to uh, we want to propel and and listen to all women's voices. Uh, I can't specifically talk about uh, why men are the ones who uh, speak to women, but what I can say is that we can make the difference in making sure that 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 changes. Is that Very women good. talking to women and women encouraging women to be leaders and be supporters and doing more. And honestly, I can tell you that I, that Senator Warren has endorsed other women uh, and working with other women. You all, I'm sure, have heard of Ayanna Presley, who worked on the senator's campaign when she first mm-hmm. ran for senator in 2012. And now Ayanna Presley, who the senator supported, is now the first black woman congresswoman from Boston. And so right. it's, one of the, it's also about empowering women and then women empowering women. And so I'm glad I could be here as a male to support a woman, but also it's about women who are supporting women as well. And I know Senator Warren is one of those women who supports other women as well. Okay, beautiful. So, so, so well said. Uh, let me ask you, so, so Ms. Andre, will you be covering East Texas, or do we have a different person that's going to cover East Texas for us? So I am the uh, so I'm the state community organizing director. Um, so right. I deal with the entire state, and so right. I travel all over. We have a young lady named Gabrielle Harris. She's an African American woman attend, uh, who lives in Nacogdoches. Uh, she is okay. our East Texas organizer, and so she will cool. be in Tyler, and she will be in Longview, and she will be in Nacogdoches, and she just tr- she'll be just traveling the whole all of East Texas, uh, having conversations, uh, speaking to people about the concerns of the community. So, uh, And I'll be there, there with her uh, as well. I, I, I visit often. And I, and I, honestly, I was just there a little while ago visiting with, I am so sorry. Um, I, I apologize. He, he passed away. Uh, he was 
represent he was he passed away he was at the uh Collins he was at the East Texas Fair. Re, uh, re, and, re, yes, uh, Reuben Reuben very yes, good friend of, yes, of, of ours in this in this community. Uh I, I had the opportunity of come out yes, Reuben Gutierrez yes. and I had the opportunity of visiting uh Mr. Gutierrez's uh yes. widow and his children and yes. we, uh, yes. honestly I was just so inspired by the work that he does. Uh, oh, yeah. Spent seven days registering voters at the East uh, yeah. at the East Texas Fair, um, was, and but needs to say we he, I was, was there to, to to be with them, and uh, we are just so glad to. Ha- and so honestly, is having as many conversations as possible. Uh, but we do have an organizer for the East Texas area. Her name is Gabrielle Harris, and she will be visiting okay. uh, with you all as well uh, very soon. Please, please give her our information. Yes, I, the last two days of the fair, we spent hand in hand with uh, Ruben, and it was just, it, it was overwhelming uh, to hear uh, that he had left this place. I mean, it was, just, well, he was just an amazing gentleman. That's that's bottom line. Uh, he worked hard for the Democratic Party. He worked hard for candidates. He worked uh, He worked with my campaign for city council. He worked with me when uh, I won, after I won the primary for uh, Congress. And so he was an amazing gentleman. And so I am so thankful and I really appreciate your stopping in to see Miss Susan and the uh, and, and her daughters, the children. That was just, uh, just amazing. So kind. Thank you so much for that. Let, let me ask a couple more questions then, uh, because I know that um, I, I know that you mentioned the HBCUs, and, uh, but I also want to mention this part uh, of of how to how we should be able to reach uh, the African American community. As you already know, we we have twenty three uh, black owned newspapers in um, in Texas, and and we have three uh, radio shows. Here that we're on three times a week, uh, predominantly owned. Well, they are owned owned by uh, African Americans. And so, will you be advertising with some of the um, the black-owned newspapers and the black-owned radio stations uh, in Texas, in particular? As you already know, I look out for East Texas first because I'm East Texan. So, uh, so will you be putting some resources in our community? Is my question. Yes, uh, we will be investing resources in the, in the local communities and the local markets, and specifically, I it is a part of our uh, plan to have it so that way we reach out uh, to black-owned media specifically uh, uh, to to in, in amplify our message as well. And so we will be doing that. Uh, as I'm sure you all are aware, the, right now our focus uh, right now is Iowa. But we will be coming. Uh, but we are also developing our program here as well, and so we will be developing our outreach strategies and and our uh, and our uh, strategies to connect with uh, media resources in the state as well. Uh, the closer we get to the election. Okay, um, but great. Yes, and, and I and I know that it's all about Iowa right now for everybody. That's our first uh, primary, and so everybody's going to be out there hitting the streets in Iowa. I'm just kind of looking down the road. Before we know it, uh, we'll be right there at November, right? Because can you imagine that this this year, 2019, is just a blur now? It just went by so fast, and we already – so today, I mean, we just kicked off New Year's Day, right, this past Wednesday, but now we're already at the 6th of the month. Time just moves very fast. So we just want to know what the plans are down the road as far as uh, – 
bringing some of those resources in and uh, what your what your plans are. Uh, anybody have any other questions? Uh, Ms., Ms., uh, I want to bring Miss Allen back in because I, I know that you know, Mr. Andre, how important union is, right? Uh, when it comes to uh, to campaigns and uh, and getting their endorsements and and so forth. And and I know that you you'll well you'll hear candidates uh, say sometimes, well, uh, it, it's not so much about the endorsements that they're just looking for that individual vote. But, uh, but Ms. Coretta Allen has a lot of pull around the union. Uh, so go ahead, Ms. Allen. You can give us any, any more that you want to give us in regards to the union and uh, when, when they can go and uh, talk to you about getting endorsements and that, those kinds of things. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, as Dr. McKellar was stating, I am the president of the Coalition of Labor Union Women, as well as the president of the Labor Council here in Smith County. At the moment, we are reorganizing our Coalition of Labor Union Women, and we're asking that anybody that wants to join us feel free to contact me at my number, 903-530-8668, and be a part of the Labor Union Women. When we meet, we meet, um, and we, what we do is get the message out for the candidate that we choose to help our candidates. Uh, not spend a lot of money advertising because we'll do that for them, word of mouth in the labor community. So that's very, very important to the candidate. And as the Smith County Central Labor Council president, we do the same thing. And because labor has said that we endorse people that support labor issues, So I know that Sister Warren does that, and we'll be more than happy to look at her candidacy and give advice to our members so that they'll know which way to go when they get to the polls. So if you have any questions for me concerning the labor issues, I would appreciate if you ask me now. (laughs) Mr. Andre. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, well, I appreciate that, honestly. Uh, my mother uh, is a teacher, and uh, as you all know, uh, teachers uh, are one of the – a large portion of the labor union movement. Uh, my oh, mom has yeah. been a, a member of, the, uh, the, of AFT for the past 20 years, and my uh, my mm-hmm. sister is a member of AFT as well, a new teacher for for the past five years. And my and me, myself, I am proud to say that um, Senator Warren – is one of the only two uh, presidential campaigns that has unionized our campaign workers. And so I'm happy to say that our campaign is unionized as well, and I am a member of the union. So I understand in quite um, importantly, the, uh, I understand that the, the, the precedence that unions play uh, with our community in getting out the vote. And so we uh, hold uh, high regards to the, uh, the union movement, the labor movement, and uh we actually have specifically are trying to make sure that we 
uh, and ensure that we talk with all of our uh, union leaders and our community leaders to make sure that we can find out their, their issues and their concerns as well. And I did get your phone number, so I, I look forward uh, to having uh, further conversations as well. I did speak to um, the young lady that was here that was representing mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yes, at the Democratic meeting, the last meeting that we had. And I've invited her to our Smith County Central Labor Council meeting next Tuesday at, at 545 in the, after, in the evening if she's able to come. Okay. But that, uh, I, I know, Mr. Andre, that there are a lot of activities going on every place, and everybody is reaching out to try to grab you to come in their direction. But that, that's a wonderful thing, and, and the beauty of having uh, boots on the ground, as you know, that's my tag, here, here. Uh, all over everywhere is that you can make as many of these activities. And the, the, the one thing that I love is that the involvement that people are getting more involved politically. You know, people will say, uh, I don't get involved in politics, but I say to them, everything is politics. Everything is political. And so so you better be involved so you'll know what's going on around you, right? Uh, so uh, so I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, that you have sent, sent someone into the East Texas area because I, I here, here. say this all the time. So, so, so goes, uh, so goes, uh, East Texas, so goes Texas. We can win Texas. And, and I like the fact that you brought out that Texas is not a red state. It is a non-voting state. And so we're going to be working really, really hard to make sure that people are registered and that people will get out to vote. And and so when, when uh, Senator Warren comes into Texas, don't forget East Texas. We'd like to see her in East oh, Texas. We, uh... Well, <laughs> I completely understand, and honestly, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but one uh, one of our uh, one of Texas's favorite sons also endorsed uh, today, uh, Senator Warren. Julian Castro endorsed uh, oh, Senator he? Warren today. At, he did. Yeah. It's on social media and on the news. Uh, um, it was announced earlier today, around eight o'clock in the morning, that uh, Julian Castro endorsed okay. Senator Warren. So we're so excited wow. about that great news and the momentum wow. that provides us here in Texas. Uh, we're sure. uh, honestly, our phones have been going off the hooks uh, because uh, off the hook, excuse me, uh, especially in San Antonio because he is uh, the former mayor of San Antonio, and exactly. their campaign has. Uh, it's so similar to ours, and his movement and his discussions and his, his issues uh, have always been connected with us personally. And so we're so happy to have uh, uh, Senator, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, Secretary Castro's support and yeah. his endorsement yeah. moving our campaign forward as well. And so we're really excited about that and the great work to come. Wow. Wow. That, that's amazing. I, I didn't know, and I'm going to tell you why I didn't know, is because my boots have been out there on the ground getting ready for that 112th year of uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Our Founders Day will be this coming uh, Saturday here in Tyler, Texas, uh, at the uh, Willowbrook Country Club. I wish we had a representative, uh, the young lady, because I think something is also going on over in Nacogdoches, the rural um, I'm not sure exactly. I know that something is going on. I, I, I put it aside because I know that I could not attend uh, that this coming Saturday. So probably 
uh, your your representative for East Texas will be at that event because I think it begins something like at one o'clock or something such as that. You may know exactly what it is. So, um, but anyways, but but we appreciate uh, knowing uh, what what is really happening here in uh, in Texas because we're going to see some. Texas, to me, has been a battleground state for a long time, and so now people are, are paying closer attention uh, to uh, mm-hmm. to Texas. So, share with us a few things that uh, that Senator Warren would like to see happen when she becomes president of the United States. Tell me some of the things. Most definitely, like most definitely. So, uh, again, uh, just to reiterate, one thing that most specifically uh, speaks to me is the investment in education. Uh, as I, my mom has been a teacher for the past 20 years. My sister is now a teacher in third ward at Peck Elementary uh, for the past five years. And education really speaks to me about the, that. It really makes the, the key factor on whether or not an individual is able to is able to to change from uh, from one socioeconomic level to the other, and but also just so we can raise themselves up. And education is our best investment in our next generation. And so I, I love that that the senator specifically wants to invest to make sure that way. Uh, everyone has an opportunity to have free child daycare, and that daycare is one of the crippling things that that uh, that has it so that way individuals with less means are not able to get. That's something that it's a literal question of whether how what are they going to do with their children, who's going to take care of their children. Mothers have to make the decision every day. And so Senator Warren, the first point that I really appreciate is, is that she wants to make it so that way that anyone underneath 200 percent. Of uh, over 200 percent of the, uh, I'm sorry, of the uh, 200 percent of the poverty line, which adds up okay. to fifty thousand dollars, a mother of uh, a family of four making fifty thousand dollars or less gets free uh, child care, and then also yeah. having so that way we have free pre-K as well, and then also uh, then from there when we talk about after the child has grown, then having so that way we have free college tuition at all public schools. And getting rid of fifty thousand up to fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt, and I'll be honest, I have student loan debt, and I'm still paying on it. And I know my <laughs> sister is as well; she has her masters, and so and my mom. So it's one of the things. We, we, like my whole family, we are saddled with student loan debt. We went, we we lived the college, the, the American dream of going to college, but then we also have are now paying back our student loan debt, which is crippling. Um, and so it's one of the things. Like I'm glad that she wants to make it that way. She gets rid of fifty thousand, up to fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt for communities as well. Uh, and so those are really the things that I, I appreciate because education, in my opinion, is the most important thing. And those are the things that that she wants to address on the education side as well. And then of course there are the other issues that that are specifically that are going on. I know that a lot of people hear about the two percent tax she wants to do, uh, the two cent tax uh, on our top fifty million people who make over fifty million dollars. Uh, Taxing two cents on every dollar they make, and it's not the it's not two cents on every all fifty million dollars. It's two cents on anything above fifty million dollars. So if you make fifty million dollars and fifty million dollars and one and one cent, well not one cent, but fifty million dollars and one dollar, that one dollar is we're gonna uh, we're gonna tax two uh, two cents on that one dollar on that one dollar over that fifty million dollars, and so that is literally zero point zero one percent of the American of the American uh, economy or the American population, and so when a lot of people you hear people talk about that she's uh, that there's different things going on. I want mm-hmm. you to really look on, go to her website, go to elizabethwarren.com, and and find out what she's really talking about. That two cent tax will make it so that way that when we ask our top 
0.01% of the families to pay their fair share. So instead of having to really hide it in different loopholes and so on and so forth, that they pay their fair share in the American economy so we can have free college tuition for our, for our young, so we can pay off $50,000 up to student loans for people like you and, and my mother and my sister and these individuals, sure. all, pretty much everyone I know. And then also to have – that that money is also used to have so we can have free child care for, for women who make – or for those who are 200 percent over the poverty line or a person – a household of four who makes underneath $50,000. And okay. I know that will be really transformational in many people's lives. Well, let me commend you, uh, Mr. Andre, because you know, you know, Miss uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren's backwards and forward. I can see that you're committed uh, to her, and so I, I commend you for knowing what you need to know about what she'd like to bring uh, to America. But listen, we thank you so much for coming on uh, out of your very busy schedule to share with us, and we look forward to your coming back and keeping us abreast of what is going on with her. One final question. Can Senator Elizabeth Warren beat the guy in Washington, D.C. in the White House? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yes. Overwhelmingly, <laughs> yes. You know, I know she can, and honestly, that's why he's scared. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, he comes up with names for people who he's afraid of. And honestly, yeah. I guess I just – I hope that one day I can earn a name as well so that I, can, I can have a great nickname from him too. Uh, but I consider it a badge of honor. And so, yes, I know she can. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you so again, Dr. Dr. McKellar, for letting me be here, and I look thank forward you. to joining you later. Please, sir. Thank you so much. God bless you. Come back and see us again. Bye now and be safe out there. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it was great having Mr. Andre on with us tonight to brief us on all the things that uh, Senator Warren would want to bring to our country to keep us moving forward. So let's go back to Ms. Claretta. And uh, Ms. Claretta, if you want to tell us more about what you're working toward uh, with our, um, our organization here, our, our CLUE organization here, and, and how we can help uh, to move this organization forward, get more women involved uh, politically in what's going on, and just brief us quickly. And, uh, and then we'll carry on to the next half of our show. Go right ahead. Thank you. The Coalition of Labor Union Women, what we do is we build powerful leaders in women and men. We do have some men that belong to our club. Um, we train women to be smart, intelligent, how to answer questions, tough questions, and not be afraid to stand up. So on, a, on our local level, we are rebuilding our chapter because we need more women, women and men to be active here in Smith County in making our community smarter and more intelligent and build stronger, intelligent women to be powerful leaders. If you get local leaders that are women and some men that are powerful and don't mind standing up and taking a position on tough issues, then our community will be stronger. Yeah. So we are reaching out to the community that want to be a part of a growing coalition, then we invite you to come in with us. 
the Coalition of Labor Union Women, and let's help build this community together. Very good. That's exactly right. And I proudly uh, am a member of the Coalition of Labor Union Women uh, under the direction of Ms. Claretta Allen, and have I not enjoyed being a part? I really have. I've really enjoyed the national uh, conventions and to see all the women uh, who come from all across the nation to be involved in what is going on around them. So what you're saying to us is that we want more women involved in the uh, labor uh, because all of us stop and pause and celebrate uh, the work that our union. And let me just bring this out, uh, uh, Ms. Claretta. Uh, some of the things that uh, that labor has done for the workplace uh, in America. Uh, you're responsible, and you've been around a long time, and that's why I say you, you've been around uh, much longer than I have been involved in uh, being a labor union member. But, but we can thank the labor for giving us a safe uh, environment in which to work in the workplace. We can thank uh, labor for 40 hours a week. Uh, work schedule because prior to that you didn't know how long that you you may have to sit and work uh, and then we we thank the union for allowing us to have lunch breaks and and breaks uh, a couple of breaks during the course of the day and a lunch break and all of those a lot of people don't even realize all of the work that labor has done for this country so I wanted to overtime pay that I'm sorry okay. yes. Uh, overtime pay. And let me, oh yeah, yes, that's overtime right. pay. Over, oh, that's exactly right. Over, overtime, and then time and a half, and then double time when if you're working okay. on a Saturday or how, or should I say a holiday? You're working on a holiday. Hol- so there are holiday is like, triple time. That's right. Okay. Very good. Very good. So we appreciate. That. I want to break in, and because a lot of people don't realize the part that labor played in the maternity leave there that women did not have. Don't You probably don't even know that uh, when George Bush was president, when the um, FMLA was mm-hmm. first written, that our, that our president at that time was Gloria Johnson. She mm-hmm. wrote that part of the um, um, FMLA Family Medical Leave Act and she got Al Gore at that particular time uh, he was a senator I'm, if I'm not mistaken to put that That's right. in the forefront to take that and run with it and it was her ball so we have over the years applauded her efforts for that, because not only do the labor people, but the entire country benefits from that. And now that's been extended. I think um, under this president, they are talking about increasing that for federal workers. So you see, it's something that has was born in labor and took off. <laughs> yes. That something these legislations are some powerful legislation that has been around them that we take for granted. 
And some people that's in your audience probably didn't even know where it started from. Started at the table of the labor union women that we are a part of. Very good. The Coalition Mm -hmm. of Labor Union Women. Labor Union Women. That's beautiful. Yes. Yes. Well, I think we have we have one another caller that wants to make some comments. I don't know if it's in regards to labor or in regards to um, our prior guest, Mr. Andre Wagner. But bringing in Ms. Rihanna, the the nine three nine number, right ahead. Yes, nine three six. That number is nine three six. I'm sorry, nine three six. Yes, go ahead, nine three six. Hi, thanks for uh, unmuting me. My name is Sean Broadbent. How are you all? Greetings. How are um, you? So Welcome. Very good. Happy New Year. Um, so thank you and thank I, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Medicare for All organizer. And, That's um, right. And we've, working... been, and we've been waiting for you. <laughs> Go right ahead. I know. Yes. I joined a little later. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've uh, been working for the last year with National Nurses United, uh, which is the largest union of registered nurses. Uh, in the U.S., and um, besides advocating for legislation for their workplace safety and the safety of their patients, um, they also advocate for legislation that's going to raise the dignity of their patients. And, of course, one of those is uh, Medicare for All, um, which they have been in favor of the H.R. 1384, uh, which is the House bill uh, put forward by Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington, um, to establish a single-payer universal health care plan uh, for everyone in the United States. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been working on in the last year, and um, we did a canvas in uh, the first district in Texas 01 and uh, right. spoke to some of the residents uh, in and around Texas College and you know, spoke to them about Um, some of the realities of the district and also just had some discussions with them um, about what their realities are. I mean, just on paper, um, we know that uh, 79% of uninsured families have at least one full-time worker. And what that tells us is that working people are the uninsured. Um, Most district residents do not get health insurance from their employer. The district average for employer-provided insurance is 37.9%. Um, so nowhere even near half of working people are getting their insurance from their employer. Um, a woman named Catherine, Catherine Edmondson, a receptionist at a public school, uh, didn't know that her seven-year-old son had been taken off of Medicaid until she took him into the dentist for his annual cleaning. Uh, an employee at the front desk told her that his coverage was invalid and that her son couldn't be seen that day. And for something rather um, benign, like an annual cleaning, that's not a big deal. Um, But for something more serious, or if uh, she was going to the emergency room, um, having to pay out of pocket could be a pretty big hit uh, for people. Um, You know, uh, we, we know that the access to a primary care physician in the district uh, ranges from 1,000 to 1 in Smith County, which is actually pretty good, uh, to mm-hmm. 4,200 to 1 in San Augustine County. So, I mean, wild disparity in a- access to a primary care physician uh, throughout the county. And, you know, it's a contrib- 
that's due to you know choices that the legislature has made um, relating to Medicaid and uh, the closure of so many rural hospitals in Texas over uh, the last six years, 21 in fact. So, um, you know, we want to well, talk me... to people and say, what would it Texas look like where one in five aren't uninsured? You know, what would okay. it Texas look like where the uninsured know that their health care dollar goes towards the actual delivery of care? Right. Let me ask you this. Are, are you familiar with Ms. Claretta Allen? And Ms. Claretta Allen, are you familiar with uh, this special guest that's talking to us about uh, <laughs> our, our unions and uh, representing actually the largest uh, registered nurses union in the country, I believe, uh, this is? I'm not are you familiar with, him, familiar but I with do each know other? Paul a we we haven't met as of yet. <laughs> no. But do you know Miss Paula Little? I, I, I don't to be honest. I sorry about that. Okay, because I think she was an organizer uh for the nursing um for that particular nurses union. Hmm. From Texas okay. here. I'm going to bring – this is really a great kickoff for the new year. I just got a text message yeah. from L.J. Guillory, a, strang- a stranger in the night that have come in. How are you doing, Bishop Guillory? Happy New Year. How are you? Welcome. I am wonderful. I am glad to be alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just but, you know, what's interesting is that I've been in the hospital all day today right. with my dad. Oh, I'm sorry. And with the VA hospital. Okay. They started him in chemo without my permission, without my consultation. Okay. I'm on his uh, paperwork, the federal SI-100, as the next of kin to contact. And when we had the discussion about uh, prostate and bone cancer, um, I told them that I was not in support of him getting chemotherapy, uh, particularly without knowing the advantages over the risk. Okay. So while I was in Detroit with my nephew, Jewel, they started him on chemotherapy. Wow. And when I came back, I only found out because the VA didn't pick him up for one of his treatments, and I had to take him. So what the federal government is trying to do is states like Texas and others that opted out of Obamacare, they're trying to make it up because once that money is allocated, if it's not spent, then it's lost. So we also have another situation where I didn't know that they were talking about changing the uh, benefits for service people who are not 100%. Okay. Maybe um, one day when we have uh, First Sergeant on, we could discuss these individuals who are 40%, 50%, 60%, but not 100%. And how they want to shred their benefits 
and give them least uh, support, medical support. I had no idea that a few years ago the VA had cut out uh, the spouse clinics in the VA hospitals. Okay. Where the spouse and some uh, children could utilize the VA clinics. I don't know why we have to continue to address the medical uh, treatment of taxpayers in 2020 when you have what we consider third world countries with the best medical treatment provided on the planet. I'm constantly seeing from California now we even have veteran family members going over into Mexico for treatment mm-hmm. because there's better treatment for cancer and for other uh, emergency surgeries over there than they are here in America. So I've been listening to the conversation, and all I can say is, please, America, Stop focusing on the presidency, this campaign, and start focusing on six senatorial seats that are presently occupied by Republicans that can be flipped and maintaining the Congress. Then it doesn't matter who wins. You can try them for treason and get the Senate to confirm it. Because while we are focusing on the Trump circus, we're not focusing on winning those six seats which are needed to overturn the Senate. Those senators who are running for president need to be told to stay in your seat. Like we told Kamala Harris, sit down in your seat and vote when it comes to you to vote. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there are some people that don't care what Donald Trump do. Now that you realize that the the lack of pigmentation in your skin doesn't give you one darn right over the ones that I don't get. You better start voting for your financial class instead of your racial profile because it is very evident that there is a American society that are voting based on race and political affiliation, and you're not looking at your economic position. 100% of the tax cut and this administration's tax cut was for the 1%. Right. I don't have to talk about you. Go to your room. Look in your box that you keep all your financials in. If you're not one of those people, <laughs> Chances are it's no better for you. Wow. 
which means he's not representing your best interest. Exactly. And as so I Bishop, let's ask you. <laughs> Go ahead. I want yeah, I want to ask you about your your dad, and I, and I'm sorry to uh, to hear I I had no idea, uh, and and you're right. The one of the things that we work on every single day, every single week, uh, at the VA hospital, uh, are those veterans who don't have that 100 uh, percent. So, I mean, it's it's it, it's a tragedy, and. Uh, and so that's why we had the gentleman, we have our, our special guest on tonight so that he can inform us and tell us. And then we have these union people who are pushing uh, to make sure that, that people get the care that they need. And I see it every, it troubles me, as you already know, uh, when when we have a veteran who should get care and don't get care, who've been promised, who's been promised that we'll take care, that you will be taken care of when you serve this country by this country uh, once you get out of, of the military. So, um, so and, and they tell you if you, you have the 40%, you have to have at least 40% in order to, to even get into the VA system in order to get some care. And there are a lot of people who are have, without pain. There are a lot of people who come to the VA hospital every week uh, that uh, that get care, but they have to pay out of their pocket because right. they don't have that 40%. They're going to be paying more. If they're not 100%, they're going to be paying more out of their pocket because we have right. politicians up in Washington, D.C., whose medical care is taken care of, and it is five-star yes. medical care, and yes. they don't care. But I think this yes. is the election that we need to call them out on the carpet. We need to figure out, particularly the Senate, who's voting to reduce these benefits, particularly at the same time that you're starting a war. Yes. So when these guys get back, after being the true patriots, they don't get the medical care they need. And since when, if you know, I think that uh, one of the one of the questions that you can answer. Dr. McKellar, is that when you first get out and they do the uh, physical on you and you you put down, the psychological situation that you're in, you should never, it's like uh, uh, interviewing a person after they've ran track or after they've done some extreme sports. Their adrenaline is going. The last thing that 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 soldier is going to say is that he's not mentally stable or there's something wrong with him. Because at that point, he's been told, Hey, broken arm, wrap it up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. cut, mm-hmm. binge, it. You, you you can't leave your battle buddy in a lurch. So whatever's no. wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with you. So then later on, when they fill out their papers and they try to get benefits, they pull out that paper that they sign. Oh no no no! You said right here you were fine. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. Well, okay, so right. Go ahead. Let me let, let me ask Mr. Mr. Chun. You said that you're pushing Medicaid for all, or is it Medicare for all? Which one? Um, th- thanks for the clarification. It is um, Medicare for all, yes, and um, right. it's specifically built uh, with Medicare as being the idea, but 
we got to do two things to it, which is to expand it and improve it. Um, because we do know there are people on Medicare and um, they appreciate that coverage. Um, but there's important ways that we can um, boost the benefits of the program. Um, and not just to make it more appealing sounded, sounding, uh-huh. um, but really to improve it in ways that are necessary for seniors, making sure that dental coverage is included because um, that can put people um, dipping in out of pocket. Um, right, because can Bishop, also lead Bishop to serious fa- disease. Well, let me say this. Bishop Guillory's father mm-hmm. has Medicare right now, but as we yes, know, ma'am. Medicare only pays 80% and then there's that 20% that's hanging out there. And if he can, if he's at a certain percentage and he cannot uh, get the VA hospital or the VA to cover that 20%, then he's got to be concerned with, with money out of, out of pocket. And it should not be uh, that, that we're breaking the bank for our senior citizens, uh, that they have to pay any, any, we shouldn't, I mean, we, we live in the wealthiest country in the world. We say this all the time and, but we have the mm-hmm. poorest healthcare uh, in particular in Texas, because we're in, even though Bishop Guillory is in, in California, we're in Texas and we know how we rate with healthcare in Texas. You're in Texas, right, Sean? I, I am from Texas. Um, but from, okay. I, I'm not in Texas right now. Oh, yes. Gotcha. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. from Smith County. You, you are oh really I didn't realize you were from from Smith County but you no longer live <laughs> in in Smith County is that what you're saying? That that's right I'm I'm actually well I was in Van Zandt I'm from Van Texas <laughs> for sure oh okay okay all right yeah. but you live in another yeah, state now or are you just that's traveling that's I want to clarify go ahead uh, I, I I live in Los Angeles now. Oh, okay, Bishop, go, go ahead. He said he lives in Los Angeles, Bishop. I would think it's fair for you to make him say that. Poor, poor <laughs> him. <laughs> so, I'm going to turn out of Listen, let me say this. I I was very, my, my dad was very lucky. Uh, he has three pensions. So he's not one of those okay. persons that have to, have to come out of pocket. But, right. you know, I don't just look at him or myself, you know, as right. Michael said, until right. we all have arrived, none of us have arrived. But sure. um, <laughs> let me say this, Doc, I am 100% in support of this gentleman's initiative, right. provided that all elected mm-hmm. officials, congressional representatives and senators, are the same. Right. I'm sure. proud of them having choice medical and then feeding everything else to us. Everybody should have the same medical. I yes, I'm with you. <laughs> now you're thinking twice because you know you're going to be elected to the Senate or to the Congress. <laughs> you can wait a minute now. When I get up there, I'm going to earn you. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 serious. And I think you would be. You would have earned it. However, Bishop, I think Bishop, that I was you, talking about you earlier. I was talking about you early on that you were supposed to come <laughs> come home tonight. 
I was talking about. You, do you know the subject we were talking about early on, Bishop? I'm just to switch back a little bit, and then we're going to continue on because this is healthcare is so crucial in this country. But we were talking about early in our first hour uh, why women don't encourage other women to run for public office. I don't know if Sean was in on if he could hear. And I I talked about I the person who asked. Yeah, you missed that. Okay, well, this is the person I was talking about uh, early on, Bishop L.J. Guillory, why I decided to run for United States Congress is because of him. So everybody knows that. I tell you, I could not have encouraged a more viable person. Um, When I say that she has made us all, Rihanna, our our other sister, uh, I've been there from day one and encouraging uh, Dr. McKellar to to um, be that public servant, that civil servant that she was born to be. But, you know, a lot of times when you're honest and when you really, really, truly care, um, you're out of place in in politics because there's so many unscrupulous persons that are holding those seats, and the party itself seems to thrive over eating its own, that most people will say, no, uh-uh, I don't wish that for my my best friend. I can't see her going through that, you know. And the other thing is the jealousy. Now, yeah. I'm going to say something, Dr. McKellar. I don't know if you, if you elaborate on this, but we have people that are 80, 90 years old sitting up there in office. Yes. <laughs> Skinning and grinning. And they are far, I mean, not that they don't have the knowledge, but I'll just say the energy and zeal of fighting all those 50 years have worn them down. We need new blood. We need new blood to deal with this new beast that we're dealing with. Now, I said this to the Republican Party at least two or three years ago. I said Trump is going to embarrass this country, and while there has been a misnomer that uh, we receive disrespect, I think that uh, our 44th president brought respect back to the White House. Sure. No, no, no. I will say it again. I think that George W. Bush said that Barack Obama was one of his favorite, most favorite presidents. And he yes. has brought great respectability back to uh, the White House. Now, knowing this, he himself had been the president. Um, the president, his dad had been the president. So for him to say that Barack Obama was one of his favorite presidents and he brought respectability back to the White House, that says that speaks volumes. That, yes, it does. So, so, Dr. McKellar, not to get off, off point here, uh, I am glad that you are elected, but I'm sorry that our system seems to work so slow that people feel like you have to work your way up when there's so much work to do. And those who are holding the office will turn it. Whether they want to give it up or not. So I'm just hoping that the millennials will 
look towards you and others and say, it's your turn. I'm right. hoping that Bernie Sanders don't do what he did last time and, you know, just get people to say, I'm not going to go and I'm not going to do a job. Okay. Thank you. Right. Okay. Very good. Sean, tell us more. What else do you want us to know about Medicare for All and what your plans are as far as making that happen? We know that uh, Bernie Sanders was pushing Medicare for All and Elizabeth Warren was pushing Medicare for All. So uh, tell us more Mm -hmm. about your organization and what you're doing. Uh, And by the way, uh, Bishop is in California. You're in California. And and, in California, that's the trend for just about everything that happens in this country. We have to give them credit for it. Uh, but share with us sure anything enough. else that you want us to know in regards to uh, the Medicare for All and the program that you're working with. Sure enough. Well, um, I just want to bring up that, you know, NNU, National uh, Nurses United. I think United. Ms. Donna may have muted because we were getting background information. Ms. Uh, can you hear me? Hello? Yes. Yes, you're loud and clear. Perfect. So um, what I'd like people to know is just that NNU um, is an organization that um, anyone can uh, plug into and participate in. Uh, We are doing organizing work in communities across the U.S. And, um, you know, they give you the tools in order to participate and advocate uh, for this important legislation. And we're pushing specifically for H.R. 1384, uh, which is the House bill. So Medicare for All, uh, in order to pass, would need to pass in the House and Senate. And sure enough, there is a bill in the House and the Senate. Um, In the Senate, put forward by Bernie Sanders and co-sponsored by Elizabeth Warren. And uh, in the House, um, put forward by Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington and a near record number of co-sponsors in the House. So we really need to put pressure on our elected representatives to become co-sponsors wherever you might live. And like I said, when I came home, I went and did a canvas in uh, Texas's first district um, because I believe we need to get in everybody's ear and tell them that this is what we expect, that we expect health and healthcare to be a human right, right. and that that's something right. we can advocate for. Um, so I, I would encourage anybody to get involved. Um, NNU is uh, my organization of choice, uh, but there's also our revolution. There's public citizen. There's physicians for a national health program if you're a doctor. Um, there's the DSA. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get involved in this work where you are. And, you know, just to kind of speak a little more about Medicare for All, just to get down to basics. Um, there's three main arguments for it, and that that's it, that it's moral, that it's rational, and that it's sustainable. Um, you know, moral for ways that I think we understand and agree on. Um, our current fragmented system acknowledges a moral right to care, um, but the implementation of that moral vision has been compromised by being built to be complementary to for-profit insurers. This has produced a bifurcated apartheid healthcare complex. And I, I know that sounds stark, but really our nation's health professionals 
nurses, doctors, people on the front line, they know this to be true. And uh, for some people of faith, they acknowledge that a single-payer system is essential to providing equitable care to our fellow humans, um, regardless of their own creeds or lack thereof. Um, so I think it's appropriate to kind of dwell on the way the different faiths have arrived at caring for their fellow man um, and understanding this moral foundation. Um, because there's a lot of different countries that have passed uh, universal health care programs. And right. they're coming at it from a lot of their own um, cultures and, you know, religious traditions or otherwise. And, you know, they have arrived at this being a moral right because we care about one another. Um, and just to speak to Medicare for All being rational, um, you know, I spoke about the woman earlier who's a receptionist at a public school, and she didn't know her seven-year-old was off, uh, off of Medicaid until she took right. him to the dentist. And, you know, that's a common gap for a lot of people, um, you know, to fall into because a lot of these programs are mean-tested. Um, sure. And everybody needs it, but because we've set it up to be, you know, with these qualifiers, you know, maybe you get it, maybe you don't, but everybody does need it, and everybody can contribute something. Rationally, we all have something to contribute into this system to help build it up so that we can access to it. Um, so before I started canvassing at all, I reached out to people I knew who worked in the healthcare field. And uh, mm -hmm. all these people happen to live in Texas, in the Tyler area, in Austin, okay. and up in the Panhandle. And uh, some of them are coming from a more conservative viewpoint. However, they all expressed frustration with medical billing and they identified insurers as being a primary problem. And, you know, mm -hmm. we would go into a longer conversation about how to fix it. And, you know, I have my theories about, you know, it needing to be universal. And, you know, other people feel like they need it to be means tested. They need it to be like, well, if they qualify, they can get it. But, you know, mm -hmm. that has produced a very unsustainable system um, because it pools the most needy people who are either poor or very unhealthy mm -hmm. into reliance on, you know, the Medicare, Medicaid, as it might be. And this escalates cost. And then we, we right. still, even, even in this era, we, we let the insurers too much pick and choose who they want. Um, so really, okay, I think well, we can let, move let me, away from me, that. Right, Sean, we really let me can. jump in and ask. Okay, let me just ask. Uh, Bishop Guillory mentioned something very, very important, and he mentioned the fact mm -hmm. that we have people in their late 70s to 80s that are still sitting there that don't necessarily want this Medicare for all that you're talking about. But the question that, that I have is that how are we planning to implement if, in fact, we do go to Medicare for all? Uh, and I'm not saying that mm -hmm. I'm against that at all. I'm just saying I want to know how we're going to implement it because, because, 80 per, because if, it, if we're looking at it, if we're looking at this, uh, the way it is right now, then we know that, that Medicare pays 80%, and then you have to have that supplement to pay that 20%, or you're going to be out of pocket, and everybody may not be able to afford to be out of pocket. So if we have Medicare for all, mm -hmm. how, how 
how is it going to be implemented? Is it going to pay? Because I, because I can tell you right now, I know mm-hmm. unequivocally in this country we're not going to get rid of insurance companies, right? It's just not going to happen. So is it, so so are and, we still expecting does. insurance companies? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Sure, until it does. Um, and, you know, when the Medicare for All legislation was introduced at the beginning of last year, you saw those stock prices go down for health insurance yeah. companies. So the market didn't like that, and they took it seriously. And we had, you know, 100 co-sponsors out the gate for Medicare for All. Um, yeah. But to speak to um, Bishop, is, is it Gilroy? Gillery. Mm-hmm. Bishop Gillery. Mm-hmm. Gillery. Right. Um, you know, we want to get rid of those premium co-pays and deductibles because those have risen just unaffordably in the last 20 years. Um, they, they don't speak to anybody's economic reality um, and where it actually gets put into is debt. So we, we eliminate those and we expand Medicare's services to provide long-term services and uh, support for people with disabilities, um, including comprehensive benefits, uh, because it really does need to work in a better way for those people um, so that they're really being served appropriately um, and, and not putting them into the donut hole. You know, I spoke to a woman outside of the town hall, and she said each and every month she's being forced into the donut hole because of her prescriptions, which she needs. So she's not going to choose not to fill them, um, but she's going into the donut hole on it, and that's not an answer for her. And it's not why LBJ and the rest of them created the original Medicare. And, you know, as far as implementation, you know, the original Medicare signed 19 million people up in the first year, just sent those seniors a card, you know, this was paper bookkeeping. We didn't have the computers. We didn't have any of the, you know, accounting systems that we have today. Um, So, I mean, to say it can't be done um, is to kind of feed into some propaganda that's being put out there Um, because we are in a developed society. We can definitely achieve this. We just do have to put our minds to it. Um, Taiwan, Taiwan is an advanced, um, economy, a uh, wealthy nation, and in the mid-90s, they switched over to a single-payer system uh, from a fragmented system like we have, and uh, they did it in eight months. And I understand they're smaller than us. They, they really are, but they had a complex system of care with a large number of senior citizens like we do, a large growing number. And, you know, if this is something we commit to and we say we want to do, we can achieve this. It is doable. Sure. And Last I think it's going to take all of us demanding it. So yeah. I encourage everyone yeah. to get involved in various ways. It's important to point out uh, for everyone out there who wants to follow up and look into Taiwan, for example, look at the outcomes. The outcomes are so hugely important. Going from a fragmented mm-hmm. system like ours and a yeah. for-profit focused system like ours to a single-payer system, the outcomes skyrocket every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I ask a question? Arthur Fleming? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Come on in, Mr. Uh, Arthur, one of our – go ahead, please, by all means. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, oh, I'm, here for about, I'm here for about the past 20 minutes or so. 
the I'll make a statement. Not a question. Now, the the, the one is for as for, as for implementation. Uh, you would get, you know, you could do it because you just take the money that's in the healthcare. Because just theoretically, take the money you got in the healthcare system now, then and then you'd improve it just by scale, right? You already have mm-hmm. like Medicare and Medicaid systems in place. All you have to do is just make them accessible to the people that need the services, and and then work from there. So it's not, you know, they 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 make it all complicated. Like you're gonna get everything, like you know, and, and it, you know, so it, it'll be a transitional thing. Uh, and uh, and but folks who want to pay uh, big money for those big plans, you know, those plans still be available for them to pay for those plans. So you know, uh, but but I've been listening to Bernie Sanders' plan, the different healthcare plans, and none of them address uh, racism in healthcare. Now I was as a as a former uh, a home health provider and a licensed nurse home administrator. Uh, 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 you know, racism in healthcare is a big problem, and nobody in none of these plans even mention it. And, and so I was, and so I was wondering about your plans, sir, the ones you're working on. Uh, to, hey, have y'all looked at that issue to see how you would, uh, 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 you know, alleviate, uh, you know, alleviate that particular problem because it is a problem. It it is a problem, and um, you know, like I mentioned, we I'm in Los Angeles at the moment. I'm I'm from Texas one um, but been living here the last eight years, and there are certainly broad disparities across Los Angeles um, between our communities of color and, you know, wealthier, wider parts of the county. Um, You know, the rate of people with diabetes who have to have amputations um, is incredible. And that's partly because of being uninsured, but that's also because of the cost of insulin. Diabetes. I was going to say something about that right quick. Okay, about racism yes, in healthcare. Okay, diabetes was one of the, the 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 drivers, the issues that they used against black healthcare providers uh, providing mm. because they say we was providing too much care. Well, diabetics require more mm-hmm. care. But they, but they graded you, mm-hmm. but they worked that against you and the system mm-hmm. because you took care of those people. And it's that kind of racism that I'm talking about that's, uh, you know, it's in the system. They, they, they treat black people <clears throat> as though they had health care all their lives. And they showed up at the doctor mm-hmm. the, same, the same thing as, as a white person have. When our medical diaspora is totally different. But we're not treated mm-hmm. like that. We, you know, you know, like they do different studies for, you know, for white folks, but they don't do those things. But then they give black folks the same stuff to get, you know, and, and it's a different diaspora. But anyway, go ahead. Let me just mention that about that's one of the racism points. Correct, correct. And um, you know, I I think the bill uh, speaks to addressing that um, by actually allowing enabling Medicare to finally tackle the issue of prescription drugs. You know, if you need insulin, that's something you need. That's not something that you can afford them to ramp up the prices year after year. And they're, they're not making any meaningful updates to the drug. They're just making a profit off of it, essentially. Um, but specifically things to, you know, address the inequalities like you're talking about, um, you know, I think that uh, I'd have to look at H.R. 1384 a little more um, just to see 
what there is in there. I, I know that it, it does focus um, on creating more healthcare providers in areas that are um, identified as being underserved. Um, so, you know, there's a, a mechanism of global budgeting in single payer healthcare programs um, where you allot money on a global scale uh, to areas and you allow people to go and get the services uh, they need uh, as needed. Um, and when you ensure that, um, you can have people going as they need. There's not this, um, all right, we check in, see if you're approved, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if the insurer approves it. You know, a global budget has been applied to the health, pro health providers for your area, and they are charged with serving the area. And then, well, what you know, type of what are What type of preventative programs do do you know you know do you all have? I mean, what type of you know? I think I think every insurance policy should give uh, that client uh, a card to a gym to the nearest gym mm -hmm. somewhere. You know, it should be part of it. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a true healthcare system. We'll be working on keeping people healthy on the front end, but America, the way we do it, we wait till you get, you know, about, you know, in, in bad shape, then, and then we run and make money off you. So I'm just trying to do. Do y'all have any preventative well, programs in your program? So preventative care, I, I think, you know, the Episcopal Healthcare Foundation uh, in Texas really centers in on this of being health, not just healthcare. Um, you know, what we are trying to tackle with Medicare for All is specifically insurance and addressing that issue of not being uh, insured and not being able to get delivery of care. But you are so correct uh, to identify the need of people to have a healthy community. And I, I think that's the next fight or, you know, a continuous fight alongside the insurance is making sure communities actually are respected and not just um, having harmful things uh, dumped into their communities. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot we can do for making sure that there's better health overall and ways to defend that. And I, I hope that if we, you know, get the insurance covered and make sure that the actual delivery of care is insured, which is most often when something has already gone wrong, unfortunately, if we at least take away that aspect of it, then we can allow people to focus on, all right, now I'm ready to fight for my community and fight for what's going on here, you know, in housing, you know, part of that can be um, driving people's health, um, the quality of water, um, so many things. The part of that. Um, Correct. Thank um, you. I, I did just pull up the bill um, because I, I do want to look at um, what you specifically asked for and um, comprehensive benefits. It does uh, call for there to be uh, primary and preventative services, including chronic disease management. Uh, those chronic diseases don't always 
um, get covered by insurance plans. Um, also mental health and substance abuse treatment services, including inpatient care uh, to cover those. Um, you know, I'm seeing those on there, uh, prescription drugs, medical devices, outpatient prescription, medical devices and biological products. So, you know, really making sure that this coverage is robust so there aren't a lot of gaps because we know a lot of people who have mainly experienced Medicaid, Medicaid is not a robust program. Um, it's an essential program. I believe strongly in Medicaid um, as something as a safety net, um, but not as ideal. So, uh, Councilwoman uh, McKellar, you asked earlier, you know, is it Medicaid for all or Medicare for all? Uh, it's Medicare right. for all because that's the program exactly. we're seeking to emulate and build on, um, right. not, not Medicaid. Exactly. And I wanted people to make sure that they understood that, that because sometimes when we're talking, uh, Mr. Sean, about the fact that Texas would mm -hmm. not receive uh, our Medicaid expansion, they sometimes get it a mm -hmm. little confused with, with Medicare. For those people who may not be in the healthcare profession or may not be working directly like yourself or Mr. Arthur or myself, or even Miss Rihanna, and, and the rest of us, we know the difference, but sometimes people get it a little bit confused, so I wanted to make certain that you brought out the fact that we're talking about uh, Medicare for all and not Medicaid expansion or Medicaid for all, uh, because I, I actually I got text message from someone, and they said Medicaid for all, so I wanted to make sure that, that people understood. That's why I wanted you to dialogue a little bit on it. The, the go ahead. Sure, and I, I've, I've also listening to the Senate candidates for Texas. I heard one of them call it Medicaid for all, and exactly. you know I, I understand. You know, right. it, it can be a slip. You know, but they are well, and there's, fundamentally there's a, uh, different from each other. Yeah, right. And there's been a decade-long campaign, propaganda campaign against. Um, things that have to do with universal health care in general. And, and it's reflected in the polling. Um, when you, when you call it Medicare for all and, or start, you know, talking about socialism or government health care, people don't like it, but people overwhelmingly sure. support it when you talk about this in the exact way that you're talking about it now. So it's just, it's really important right. because um, people are, have been so misled about what it means. Sure. And, you know, they have expectations of Medicare that they appreciate and value. So we want to build right. on those expectations, um, you know, and honor them uh, rather than something else that people have negative connotations of. And, and rightly so. You know, there's reasons to be disappointed in uh, some other sure. programs. Um, but we're building on something with a good track record. And, you know, something we also bring up is that uh, the name of Canada's universal health care program is actually Medicare. And we're, we're not emulating yeah. that. Um, it, it is different. But, you know, it's just more funny than anything. Because <laughs> that's just across the border. You know, it's, it's not, mm -hmm. yeah. in a way, we, you know, we, we share a plane with them. And, you know, but that experience across the border is so different from our own. Um, you know, I grew up in a military family. Um, my parents were in the Air Force and were nurses, and, you know, we grew up on TRICARE, and they were yeah. service providers within tr the TRICARE system, and 
you know, the experience of growing up in that as a kid, you never questioned whether or not you were going to go in uh, when you needed something. And we always went for our regular checkups and it wasn't some like privileged thing. It was, you know, just what we expected for ourselves. And our parents knew it was there for them as service members, but then also their families. So we just want to build out those expectations for everyone else too, that that it's there for them. You know, canvassing here in Los Angeles, we talked to a woman who she said she broke her arm or one of her ribs as a kid. And she Mm -hmm. hid that from her parents because she was ashamed of it. She thought she had done something wrong. And, you know, like, oh, what have I brought upon my parents right now, you know, having done this? And, Mm -hmm. you know, you you just don't need to feel that way. You shouldn't be made to feel that way, not as a child, not as a parent. Um, You know, this system is here for you. That's the reason it was built. You know, that's the intention of people like my parents to be in it, you know, is to care for other people. So it's, it's just gotten away from us. Yes. How it is. That's such a good yeah. point. Excellent point. We <laughs> talk a lot on this show about uh, that as Americans, it's like we've just beaten ourselves down or we've uh, been beaten down. We forget that we are what makes America. We make this economy go around every day, all of us the hardworking people. There are so many working uh, folks who are poor and can't put food on the table, but they sure do work Mm -hmm. uh, like they, um, like their life depends on it every single day. And without that work, where would this country be? We do deserve to get a little something back uh, for what we put in. And that little something should certainly be that healthcare is a human right in this country. Yeah. Once they say it, Ryan, what's it said? Money was speech. The Supreme Court has been on. Mm-hmm. Money mm-hmm. is speech. Right. So right. Once they did that, you know, everything yeah. went lopsided. So it's going to say what they did. It meant. opened the door. So, exactly you know, right. that's why Corporations are people. Money is speech. Where do the, where do the, us individuals yeah. end up? Fighting for health care. But, but, but you can't put the corporation in jail. Right. <laughs> put them in jail. That's right. That's right. People can go to jail. That's yeah, a good that's point. how idiotic that is. Yeah, that's it's how you right. know. We... But you know what I can't I cannot understand and this is another thing that Bishop Gilly brought out. Is that that those people who are in Congress and in the Senate uh, have the greatest health care in the world as well as their family members. But why is it yeah, for life. That's right. Don't leave that part out. For life. Yeah. <laughs> is it that they don't feel that all the rest of us should have right. great health care. And 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 That's guess right. who pays for their who pays for their health care? Mm-hmm. Right, we do. We do exactly. We pay for it. So they get free exactly. health care, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we work for them, and they don't work for us. We work for them now. There, there you yep. go. We we. Them now. That's right. You, yeah. you nailed it. We just have to recapture that spirit that, you know, after the Depression, when we, you know, humans seeing brothers and sisters suffering in the streets, having nothing, um, you know, and just going through such devastation, and, you know, the elderly starving, eating cat food on the street, we decided we don't want to live this way. We don't want our fellow Americans living this way. 
and these programs were implemented. Why wouldn't we keep expanding on these? Why don't, you know, as humans, we evolve, don't we? Um, and it I just thought really seems like, right, and it, it's just this backwards uh, push. I, Rick Santorum said it. He said it not very long ago. He said that it was a mistake in the 90s when, when we decided that you can't be turned away in an emergency room. You can't just die mm. on the emergency room floor. He said that that decision went, took us in the wrong direction as far as health care. So that's, I mean, that's the goal. Mm. He said it. He, he's a spokesperson for this group of people uh, who wants to reverse you know, that mentality uh, that we should take care of one another. And he said as much that that was the mistake. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Well, well, Rick Thomas is part of that white nationalist thing. I mean, that's white nationalist thinking. That's right. That's we we don't we, we we want we want for us. But we, no, we don't want to do it for everybody. Now that's just. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and and of course Trump is, is, you know, he's a you know band leader right now. Like I say he's not the oh, cause, yeah. you know, but he is the uh, you know the you know symbol, you know of it. And, and so like I say so you know so all that thinking. And, and remember now we're headed somewhere, y'all. Uh, remember, okay, I, I, tell, right. I tell this all the time. We're, we're in the midst of the change. That's what this is. Yeah. yeah it's going to be frustrating. Yeah, it's going to be all them things you name, but it's mm. it, it's changing. So we need to be about thinking That's about right. what you what do what do the new reality going to look like? What do you want to look like? You know, and, and, and we need to be fighting for that. You know, so this is part yeah. of it. So, so don't get. I mean, I mean, yeah, you're going to be frustrated, but you know, try not to. Uh, you know. You know, and you know, enjoy it too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, what I hear you saying is that we we got to relax and recharge ourselves up and and prepare for what's constant, what's ongoing, and that's change. Change is a constant thing, right? Uh, it right. What, whatever we see, whatever we saw this morning, we may see something entirely different this afternoon. So we need right. to prepare and stay ready for that constant change. Uh, that and don't having. be afraid to fight for the big things. Now's there the time go. to fight for this Medicare for all. I mean, it, it's in our reach now. It's right. a time of change, mm-hmm. just like Mr. Fleming said. So, I mean, this is the time that we all need to be fighting uh, for this. And you're an excellent messenger for this, by the way. Good job. Yeah, both of both of these gentlemen are, are excellent messengers. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. Well, any final comments, uh, Mr. Sean? Uh, we we thank you so much for coming in and sharing this yeah. information. We need uh, text messages and asking various questions or that they're understanding it better uh, now that we've had a dialogue. And we believe me, we've had dialogues about this before, but you but we've been extensive uh, with it tonight. So, and it's because of you and the information that you brought to us. Any final comments? We're actually getting very close to the end of our show. We have about three minutes left. So any final comments or anything that you'd like to share uh, with us in regards to Medicare for all? Just thank you so much for having me on to speak uh, with you all about this. And, you know, I would just encourage that anybody who wants to get involved, you know, you, you, you can't do it alone. And, you know, you, you'll get frustrated, you'll get beat down, you'll get your energy, will get depleted. So you need to organize with others. You need to be meeting regularly with other people who share your values and, you know, want to work on the same things with you. 
because they're out there and they do want to build uh, on these things. So, you know, like I kind of mentioned earlier, um, NNU is a good organization to work with. National Nurses United, they um, have the materials and they can online anybody who wants to be a volunteer uh, to help them start participating. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can take action in your community. Um, you know, because I, I come back a couple times a year to hang with family. Um, but, you know, Texas 01 needs people who are doing regular action. So NNU is a good one. Physicians for a National Health Program, um, the DSA, Public Citizen, Our Revolution. Um, these are all organizations that are working on it, and there are others. But, you know, if you're interested in this, if this is something you care about, then your voice really is needed. All of our voices are needed um, in the spaces that we exist in. So I encourage you to get involved. Do it. Um, start researching immediately. And then, you know, go to that meeting. It's okay. You don't have to be an expert. Um, we all start from where we are. And, you know, you can start meeting with the people in your area to talk about what you want to get done. So you can start becoming an advocate for yourself and others, your family and those you love. So uh, I encourage you to get out there and start doing it. Very good. Outstanding. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it was amazing uh, having you on tonight. I, I thank you so much. And Thank um, you. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, see, and that's what this program is all about. I, I don't know if Miss um, Miss Claretta is still on with us tonight. If she if she is, Miss Claretta, you can have yes. final comments. Any? Yes, go right ahead, ma'am. You could have been joining in on this conversation. You took quiet tonight. <laughs> go ahead. If you have any final comments. Well, thank you so much for my final comment. This yes, was an yes. awesome show tonight. I'm so glad I didn't miss it. I learned a lot. And I hope that we all join each other's effort to build a better community and yes. a better nation. I look Excellent. forward to working and seeing all of you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. And we encourage those women that are listening and as well as Ms. Allen said that we have some men who support the Coalition of Labor Union Women. And I bet you one of those persons would be Mr. Sean because he is pushing uh, that labor for for registered nurses. And I really appreciate that. Uh, let's see, Mr. Arthur, any final comments from you before we get ready to get out the doorway? No, sweetie, everybody just stay in care, stay focused. Uh, you know, recharge your battery every now and then in the midst of change. You, uh, you know, so just stay focused, and, uh, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen. Very good. So so my final comments, and then we're going to turn it over to Miss Rihanna, and she's going to play our theme song, and we're going to be gone uh, for the evening. I thank everybody for coming in and always having uh, great information. We, we've sent our positive prayer thoughts out to uh, uh, Bishop Guillory and his, and his dad and wishing him well and a speedy recovery. Uh, just remember, just gather your information, evaluate your information, and act on your information. Uh, Medicare is, uh, or health care is a human right, and every single person in this country should have the access 
to health care. As Sean mentioned, uh, our rural uh, hospitals are closing down, and it's because of various things that are going on, and they're not able to afford to continue to provide the care uh, because of uh, the cost. So thank you so very much. May God bless you. Let me just mention that uh, I just got a, a, a text from uh, the NAACP chapter, and they're going to be um, uh, having a candidates forum next Monday night, the 13th, so all candidates that are that are running for various and sundry things to be involved with that. Uh, we're going to get that information out there as the location uh, is still pending right now is what she is saying. And that's uh, Miss, Miss uh, Lisa Williams, who is the president of the Smith County uh, NAACP chapter here in, in our community. Uh, she is the president of the Black Nurses Rock. So, Mr. Sean, I bet you are happy to hear that. She's, she was listening in tonight, and so she wanted to let us know. Thank you. And now we'll turn it over to Ms. Rihanna, and we look forward to having you right back here again on next Monday night on Marvelous Monday. And hopefully Bishop Guillory will be able to join us. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. It's all yours, Miss Rihanna. Thank you. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. the heavens, no man, no weapon, formed against, yes, glory is destined, everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings, the movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us, justice is juxtaposition in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough, one son died, the spirit is revisiting us, true and living, living in us, resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots be on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be. When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. glory, glory, oh.
every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now. Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles. From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero. Facing the league of justice, his power was the people. Enemy is lethal, a king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a ball ego. The biggest weapon. It's to stay peaceful, we sing. Our music is the cuts that we bleed through. Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany. Now we right the wrongs in history. No one can win the war individually. It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call victory. The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours.
issue than his finances.
information, and everyone in the Senate should be concerned about the quest for the truth rather than what is in their best old interest. With apologies for mixing football and basketball metaphors, our thanks to the always great Barbara McQuaid for being with us on this Monday night. Really appreciate it. And coming up for us, it's the most volatile time yet for this presidency. We'll look at how Congress might steer the ship from here.
which while meaningful will be non-binding. The president, meanwhile, blowing off the need to consult with Congress, writing on Twitter that, quote, such legal notice is not required. With us to talk about all of it tonight, Donna Edwards, former Democratic member of Congress from the great state of Maryland, these days a Washington Post columnist, and Rick Wilson, longtime Republican strategist, author of the book Running Against the Devil, which, as all of his followers know, is due out next week. He also happens to be co-founder of the Lincoln Project, a super PAC created by conservatives for the aim of defeating Trump and Trumpism. Welcome to you both. Congresswoman, I'd like to begin with you. Uh, the president has implied uh, Senator Schumer and perhaps other Democrats would have leaked if they had had advance uh, heads up on this mission. Is the danger of a president acting unilaterally to you the fact that it becomes easier the next time? Well, I mean, we've seen this, frankly, over um, successive presidencies, Republican and Democrat, that when Congress refuses exercise its authority when it comes to uh, questions of the use of military force. And the executive branch, the president, gathers more authority for itself. And what we see here with President Trump is that he's taken it completely to the extreme. I think it's an outrageous claim that um, notifying and is has been traditionally done with presidencies, but is also required under law. Uh, suggesting that notifying Democrats would have meant that somehow that exposed um, the the operation to leaks is really pretty shameful. And you know we have a process that requires, and in fact demands consultation between uh, the president and the legislative branch. And the president seems to have just thrown all of that out. Uh, not only that, but I mean it's taken now a week. Um, before there's even a briefing of the most senior of our leadership, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who is a constitutional officer of the United States. And so, um, you know, I think it's time for Congress, frankly, to begin to claw back, to reclaim some of its authority when it comes to uh, war powers and war authorization. And we should not be living off of a 2002 uh, authorization for the use of military force in, in Iraq. Uh, Rick, to our other lead story tonight, uh, knowing that you worked at DOD years ago as a young man, how bad do things have to get for the Pentagon to look today the way they looked, like they couldn't find their own keister with both hands and a flashlight? You know, the coordination process of the Pentagon has always been a cryptic and sort of broke from beast. A lot of it is built to prevent sending out documents that can cause a gigantic national or international incident. This one was so sloppily handled, and I suspect what we really got here is a document that went out, um, was meant to go out, and that the president, the White House, recognized what a collapse, what a catastrophe it was going to be, panicked, and made them claw it back. The thing doesn't have a draft or a decisional, pre-decisional stamp on it. It does have a live date stamp on it. I'm sorry there's something fishy about their excuse, and I think that right now we're seeing the consequences of the president shooting from the lip every day. We're about to have a, a, a very unstable situation with the 5,000 or so American troops in Iraq at enormous risk because this president and his administration are sloppy and amateur. Now, that seal at the Department of Defense at the head of that letterhead used to mean something today for a brief time. It meant nothing. Uh, Donna, 
to our other subject, and that is John Bolton. I told Senator Collins today, used a collection of words that seem to have in common their membership in the English language and took no position on Mr. Bolton. But this may have a way of focusing the mind of Collins and similarly vulnerable Republicans in the Senate and up or down vote on, what do you say, should we hear from John Bolton? Well, you know, I'm actually, I refuse to look at Senator Collins' words anymore in, in, in terms of trying to convey
world, Thank you. 